Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Soshing with Suntwe. Um, today, we have a very interesting guest. We've got Ilan Wiesenbacher, an old friend from Zimbabwe. If you'll just give us a second to do our shares, you know how it goes. If you guys have watched before, we take the first few seconds to try and share the video to all of our feeds. And uh, if you are there already, drop a comment in the in the comments box below and uh, let us know where you're watching from say hi to everybody and um give us a share tag mates if you want to and um yeah we'll be on it in a second so let me just get this done technology hey eh? i think that what we can do at the moment is crazy i'm more impressed with how well you pronounced my surname Oh, really? I haven't known you long enough. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, group. Try to get it in as many groups as possible. Uh, the group. Last one coming up. <laughs> got to get it done, eh? There's got to be an easier way to do this. If anyone knows an easier way of doing this, please let me know. Because uh, it's a little bit fumbly, I think. I share it right. Just go see if I shared it right. Right. I'm done on my side. I can cool, see I I that we've got... Um, and then I just like to bring it up on my other computer. Um, I'm not ignoring you if I'm looking around all ADD like it's because I'm looking at comments on other screens and stuff. So I'm. Uh, <laughs> it looks like I'm all over the place sometimes. Great. Ha! Tony's there, your dad. Hi, Tony. Long time. <laughs> Hope you're well. Yeah, thanks for being in. Much appreciated. To prime yeah. away from his series at the moment is quite a feat, so I'm feeling pretty proud. There he is. Hi, Paul and Ilan. We got uh, Mark Wachenheimer. Hi, Ilan. So, Wiesenbacher married a Wachenheimer. That's my father in law. Wachenheimer. If I have father in law, mother in law. I see. And then Cisa from uh, Vic Falls. Cisa was one of my guests a little while ago. Hey, guys, good to see you both here. Ilan, trust me, there's more who want to hear your life story. You inspire us, bro. Thank so you. that's awesome. So basically, Ilan and I have known each other for a very long time. Probably in the beginning, not so well, because obviously there's a little bit of an age difference. How old are you now? Uh, 39 in a, in a month or two. And what are you, about 45? <laughs> In the shade. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 30, 35 in the, on a good day. 45 on a bad day. But uh, yeah, so you were a couple of years ahead of me. Uh, your younger brother, Yaron, was just one year below me in school. Uh, so our, our families have been friends for a long time. And we went to school, junior school, high school, at the same places. And so, yeah, we, we've known each other for a long time, but only got to know each other more in the last few years. Um, so yeah, tell us about your early life. You're born and born and bred in Zim. Were you born in Bulawayo? 
Yeah, born in Bulawayo, Mater Day Hospital. Um, yeah, Mater Day baby. Yeah, so, yeah, and then grew up there. You know, our childhood was something special. Um, fond memories of that. Uh, I think, I mean, Bulawayo yeah. hasn't changed much. Oh. You went to Carmel, Carmel School? Carmel Junior School, um, followed by CBC. Um, where we, were you? The whole you way. Did, yeah, CBC the whole way. Yourself as well? Yeah, also CBC. Okay, I don't know why you look like a falcon boy. Stop it. Don't say horrible things to me. <laughs> you, just come on, you just come here as my guest and start insulting me like this. <laughs> True story, no. So it was below the belt. Sorry, Al. Try be better. Um, and then, yeah, school, CBC, and off to school, as everybody does, you know, we generally move away. And uh, I planned to move to the States, but ended up in, in Cape Town. A friend of mine convinced me to go to Cape Town before I went to the States. And I thought that was a good idea. He actually ended up going to the States and never came to Cape Town. But that's uh, <laughs> another story. Um, was he a Falcon boy by any chance? I've never seen him again. Uh, but we are in touch. <laughs> yeah, no, he was he was from Harare actually. Um, well, that explains everything. Correct, correct. Shifty Shonis. Shifty. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, after school, went to Cape Town University there, and a couple of years later, my my folks moved across. Um, yeah, and and yeah, then Cape Town was home for a few years. Um, until basically after the World Cup in 2010, I decided um, I needed a change and went back to went back to Zim. Uh, didn't really have much of a plan, but you know, just started. Before, started. before you go too far there, um, Cape Town. You went to what did you study at varsity? So first year was hotel management um, oh. at uh, Varsity College, and then I moved across to UCT, where I started doing. PPE, which was politics, philosophy, and economics. Uh, I didn't finish university. Thanks, Yaron. <laughs> Your younger brother's selling you out there, eh? Well, listen, he, yeah, well, I'll, don't worry, I'll sort him out later, <laughs> as I always do. Um, but uh, yeah, so university, then, so Cape Town, you know, University of Cape Town, where I did PPE. Um, two years into it, I got bored. I changed to property studies um, and, and yeah, to cut a long story short, I started working in a, in a pub and, and that was the end of my, my, my university career and until they literally chucked me out and they said, you're done. <laughs> I was part-time studying, part-time working and at UCT, they, they don't, they, that doesn't cut it for them and they literally just came to me in the end and said, no, you're done. And I thought, oh shit. Okay, I better, I better finish my degree. Um, I, I'll, you know, I'll quit work and I'll go back. And I, I appealed to them to say, okay, I'm really sorry. I'll come back now. And they, no, they turned down my appeal. So, so that was it. And uh, um, that was the end of my studies. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, so from, from that, you started working in the pub, and that way you started uh, moving yourself towards the hospitality and restaurant career, or um, yeah, what did so. you do between university and sort of the 2010 before you came back to Zim? So, 
I started working for sort of a group of clubs in Cape Town, um, quite famous at the time, one called Opium and Pulse. Um, and there was a group and uh, I was mainly doing marketing for them. Um, and I'd heard the one day that there was another club for sale. So um, I said to my GM at the time, you know, should we tell our boss that there's another club for sale? And he said, no, Ilan, uh, we're going to do that one ourselves. So we all broke away, four of us from that company. And we opened up a, a nightclub in, in Clermont uh, called Wada. And uh, Wada was my first sort of business that I, you know, sort of owned. Um, what a name, what a club, what a stupid idea, what a <laughs> bunch of, I mean, you know, I tell everybody I was 25 years old at the time. I mean, obviously I had no money of my own. So my dad, um, God bless him, put in the money. And I don't know what he was thinking. I was 25 years old, you know, to, you know, if it was a, a I don't know, if it was a hardware business or, you know, if it was anything else, but to let your 25-year-old son open up a nightclub is just a, a recipe for for disaster. And we, right. it was a lot of fun, but uh, a big disaster as well. <laughs> the, the, the old uh, saying, don't get high on your own supply, does it apply? Jeez, but I, I think I've seen outstanding bar tabs, you know, from 2007 that I haven't settled. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. It was it was fun, man. It was it was a lot of fun, and I guess I guess it was the foundation of of you know what where where I am now. But yeah, looking back, I mean, yeah, it was it was a bit of a crazy time, and then that didn't last too long. I sort of sold out of that and and went into another uh, venture at the time. We were sort of doing a recruitment company um, with another friend of mine. It was actually. We had great intentions, um, but I just didn't have any experience in recruitment. So we started a company called uh, Working for Zimbabwe. And it was at a time where, you know, there was there were thousands and thousands, I mean, hundreds of thousands of Zimbos who had come across to South Africa because of the economic situation in Zim. And, uh, you know, the idea was that you had so many skilled people and we just needed to link them with the right jobs. Um, so we started with that. Unfortunately, it didn't quite kick off. Um, as I said, I had no experience in it. So it was a bit tough, you know, tough going when you don't have that experience. Um, but yeah, it was, yeah, I don't know if we helped anyone in the end. I hope we did. You know, that was the idea as well. It was quite a nice um, initiative. And uh, yeah, after that, um, yeah, I got involved in another club and, you know what it was to be honest paul it was just a lot of drinking a lot of partying and and I, I really i just you know felt like i needed to get out of cape town and that's when sort of i made the decision to to leave and considered going overseas considered going to Joburg, where i've ended up um but ultimately i had uh, i had our family home in 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 Bulawayo, which i think made the sort of transition sort of easy for me and my dad had some properties that needed to be looked after so yeah i ended up in below and uh yeah so, back, back home and it's funny because i always sorry to cut you there i always growing up you know before you leave zim it was always okay we're we gonna i'm gonna leave zim for university and come back when i'm 30. you know that was like and i did that 
that. And it was, I mean, it wasn't like a, a great plan, but that's sort of how it turned out. So, yeah, interesting. So your your return to Zim was was that I, I don't know if I'm reading it wrong and I could be completely but is, was that sort of like a low point transition or was that just a, just a transition? Definitely a, a bit of a low point transition. Um, you know, I just felt I was in a bit of a rut in Cape Town. Um, I wasn't happy. Um, yeah, I, I wanted a change. I guess you know. It seems a long time ago now. It is quite a long time ago. You know. 2007, 8, 9, 10. But as I said, there was just a lot of sort of partying. I mean, I think the one week, I think I lost three cell phones in a week, you know, <laughs> and that wasn't because I'm dwarf. That was alcohol, you know, that was, you know, so, you know, there was just a lot of, yeah, a lot. Of, and because I was in that nightclub environment as well, that was my work. So you couldn't really, you know, pull yourself out of it. So I guess, mm. I guess. A low point transition. Thanks for that terminology. <laughs> no, because I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, behind like my, one of my favorite things that I heard uh, a quote, I can't remember where it is, but I repeat it to myself all the time is it took me 20 years to become an overnight success. And, and you hear that said so many different times where people, especially serial entrepreneur type characters like yourself, to some degree, myself, where we don't fit the norm to say per se we end up going off and uh trying to to make our own way and you go through failure after failure after failure success after success after failure after success and i don't like to say failure it's, it's either you succeed or you learn so you know as long as you're maintaining a mind, there's no there's no failure in the situation so it's important for people to understand that you didn't just walk into zimbabwe with a massive plan that you came there at a, at a transitionary period and now, I mean, look at you now. Yeah, <laughs> you are aspiring to be there. So, so what was your first plan when you got to Zim? Sure. Um, as I said, my dad had some properties that sort of I, I looked after, and, and uh, you know that sort of helped me get going. Um, and I, I was doing, I did a few events. Um, you know, I was still in that sort of nightclub party mode type type thing, um, did a few events at some of the bars and, and clubs in Bulawayo, um, mainly sort of music events, you know, I'd bring bands from South Africa, DJs from South Africa, and we'd party in, in Bulawayo, I don't know if you recall any of the mega fests in, uh, in Bulawayo, good times, um, winter fests, uh, whatever, you know, I did, I think the first one that I did was Jack Mantis, so a great band um, from, Cape Town, Joburg, I think, yeah, there's a couple of guys. Um, and yeah, I, I, to be honest, I didn't have much of a plan. And I, I you know, was doing a bit of that. Uh, you know, we, the my housekeeper, when my dad had his coffee shop in Zim, she used to bake all the cakes. Mm. So I got her baking again and I was selling cakes, I was supplying supermarkets. Um, supplying coffee shops, you know, I'd go around in, in my car delivering cakes. Um, and that's, yeah, I mean, it seems like a long time ago, but I don't know, uh, what are we, 10 years? It's, it's a long time, but not a long time. It's uh, no, not yeah. a long time at all. Yeah. Uh, natural born hustler. Then, there, so. Yeah, yeah. I can't recall the exact sequence. I mean, there were a few things that I got involved with, um, which was mainly on the sort of, 
you know, with bars and, and nightclubs that I was doing. Um, yeah, my brother, my brother famously reminds me of the one place that I, I, I got involved with. It was the place that we called Ayoba. You know, at the, at the time, um, everything was Ayoba from the World Cup, you know. And that was, yeah, yeah that was a disaster. Um, and, uh, yeah, one thing led to another. And, you know, here we are today. We can obviously chat about some of my businesses and, and you know, the impacts of COVID and, yeah, whatever you want to chat about. I was quite interested. In, at one stage, you did a business where you converted assets to cash for micro, micro lending type thing. What was it called again? Quick cash. Quick cash. And yeah. is that still going? What, what happened to that? No, I happily got out of that about, I don't know, three, four years ago. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, that was sort of my main business for a while. Uh, how it started, there was a guy that I was working with in, in the bar. Um, he was my manager at, at the bar, at Ayobar, actually. And he kept coming to me and saying, look, Ilan, there's, there's guys that want to, you know, uh, borrow money. The interest rates are really high. You know, these sort of, you know, quick loans, you know, you get between 20 and 30% a month on your money. Um, and you know, they, they give you an asset and we do a loan. And in the beginning, I was doing it, you know, without having a, a proper business. I was just doing it sort of behind the scenes. Hey, Graham, are you all about to you, man? You'll never walk alone, Graham. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so, um, so we were just doing it on the side. Uh, he was running my, ba my bar at the time, my your bar. He was stealing from me. That was fantastic. Uh, and he still owes me money. Um, you know, it's funny, like, from that business, I'm owed quite a lot of money. And, you know, actually, like, you get to a stage where I, I, don't, I don't like to say I've written it off. I like to say I donated. You know, <laughs> feel a little bit comfortable that you know i for whatever reason that the person owes me money but i i donated it to him he didn't do you know what i'm saying like it like yeah, makes yeah. me at more to think that way so i call yeah, it school fees. He, oh dude school fees yeah <laughs> I, I just said my school fees i paid school fees <laughs> i got educated so i paid my school fees that's that's how i look at it hundred percent so so yeah i was doing that and you know for a while it was fantastic um but uh are you there we seem to be breaking up a little bit um yeah i'm there okay um so it was really good for for you know for a time and then obviously when the currency started to change and i'd lend somebody 100 us and you pay me back 130 but that 130 wasn't worth 130 anymore you know that's when it you know the writing was on the wall for the business so i mean i could have adapted but i was just happy to to get out of it i guess i just sort of we ran down the loan book and and got out of it and you know it was it was it was a weird thing because you know you can look at it two ways and i, I mean I, I looked at it so many ways because obviously a lot of people come to you and they're really desperate for money. 
So on one hand, you're helping them, but on the other hand, you're screwing them. And it was, yeah, it was quite a, quite a bizarre situation. I mean, I had people that used to take a loan and then they would just pay the, the, the interest every month, you know. And at the time, I thought it was wonderful. But, you know, in truth, you know, it wasn't, wasn't great. You know, it wasn't uh, something to be proud of, that's for sure. You know, I could never say I'm so proud of, of what I'm doing. You know, what is there to be proud of? You know, you sort of taking desperate people's money and, and – Profiting, you know, making a profit. But there were, in, in truth, in truth, um, when the business first started and and the the economy in Zim was good, it was most of my loans were um, were business finance loans. So a guy got a contract from from Zessa. He got a contract to supply nuts and bolts. He needed five thousand dollars to go and buy the, the, you know, the the stock. He didn't have the money to buy the stock. You know, they'd get a contract and mm -hmm. and then they got it. They'll find the money later. And, and I, they would factor my percentage into their costs and do the deal, pay me back, and it worked. And it was, you know, looking back for those people, it definitely helped a lot of people because you couldn't go to the banks. I mean, the banks in Zim and say, hey, I'm Paul Teasdale and I need a quick loan and I look at you and say what are you talking about you know so so there was that side and that's when it really did well but as the economy you know I, you know for anybody that knows the zim cycle in the last 10 years i mean from from 2010 2011 2012 it just got progressively harder 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 and as it got harder so that business evolved and yeah and so, so your main thing in Bulawayo ended up being your Brooks coffee shop. Is that correct? So, yeah, we, yeah. So Brooks, I mean, I wouldn't say it was my main thing. I think I was still doing quick cash at the time, but we, I, mm -hmm. I started Brooks with a family friend, Rivka. Um, and uh, yeah, that was, that was, you know, it was, it was, sort of a you know my dad had brooks back in the day so yeah i mean it wasn't uh, a hobby or anything like that it definitely was a a business um but i never sort of saw that as my sort of focus or, or anything like that you know I'm, I'm happy to say it's still going um it's you know been around for a good few years um it's probably the business i now put the least amount of time of my time into um, and I wish I had more time to put into it. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm still sort of proud of it. The, I've got some great staff there. Um, you know, there's a guy, Bongani, who's now my manager, and he used to, he used to work for my uncle uh, in the garden. So, mm. you know, there's some amazing stories there. Um, and yeah, it's still, still ticking along, and it's got a great location in Bulawayo, and I think some people appreciate it. You know, the the restaurant business and the you know we're getting judged left right and center you know people walk through and you know it's not like a normal business you just get judged and it's a lot of scrutiny for sure yeah yeah which is which is tough I mean you know you you obviously have to in the in the hospitality business you have to have the mentality that the customer is always right you know no matter what and I'm always humble and I'm always refund i will 
go out of my way to make sure the customer leaves happy. Um, but there's certainly a, a, and maybe social media has has sort of come into it. The, and and obviously the likes of TripAdvisor and, and Google reviews and things like that, you know, there's a lot of unnecessary pressure and unnecessary criticism and unnecessary, you know, I don't know, I haven't really talked much about it, but a lot of pressure that that there shouldn't be. You know, you 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 literally in that business you don't have any room for margin. Like like somebody that people walk in and they're judging you, and it's mm -hmm. it's you know why why are you so quick to walk in and judge me? Where you'll then go to the supermarket next door and they'll give you the worst service in the world, but you'll be back there tomorrow. You'll be back. Mm. You'll be back every day. No matter how bad the service is, but God forbid, you know, a restaurant or a coffee shop gives bad service. You know, you can give good service ten times, but give it give bad service once or a bad meal, and it's it's like the end of the world. You know, I saw I saw somebody on Facebook recently sort of put up a post about I don't I don't know. She said that restaurants are not giving value for money and in Bulawayo, and just. Just couldn't believe it. It's just like you have no idea how hard it is to make a little bit of money in that business. Like, you know, that extra crap that go, you know, people judging you just just yeah, makes it makes it pretty tough. Makes it oh. makes it tough. But but this is something I wrote about a couple like yesterday, I think I wrote a post about it, just how social media has given people uh, an an opportunity to be nasty because they hide behind a screen at the end of the day. So, so nastiness, 100%. it's, you know, they, they say things and do things they would never do in, in real life because as soon as there's actual humanity involved, it changes everything. And one of the things that I really, really find hard to deal with is when I go to a restaurant, I don't mind if you're not satisfied with your food and you, and you want to complain about it, but I feel like there's a, definitely a way to do it. Go to the back, talk to the manager, say something nice. But I, the people who sit there and shout at the at the waiter, who at the end of the day is just a delivery guy between the kitchen and your table, is I just right. I cringe and I can't take that that kind of behavior where where someone's being treated unkindly or badly because of an error. I mean, obviously nobody tried to make your food shit. <laughs> you know that would be well, counterproductive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. And nobody, you know, nobody's trying to, yeah, give you bad service, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, but yeah, it's just and and you know and that you know on the other sort of you know the other side of the restaurant business is that it's a high pressure business. You know, somebody standing in the queue at a supermarket chilling. Hey, chilling. You know, like you know, it can take fifteen minutes and and well, that's that's the supermarket. But somebody waiting for their food. You know, and if you if you've got a packed restaurant, you know, there's only so much you can do. You, you know, mm. so yeah, it is a it's a tough one. Um but I do I do love Brooks. Um obviously I've got uh, sort of uh the three monkeys in the falls, which you know that's what I want to talk about. Yeah. So when did you start the three monkeys in the force? Because I remember a very distinct phone call that we had, the two of us, where um, sorry, 
Your, I said your memory is a lot better than mine. <laughs> so I remember before it was even a thing. I remember you phoning me while I was in the falls. I was uh, when I was kayaking and doing whatever I was doing there, and you 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 called me. You're obviously calling a bunch of people to do a bit of market research and a bit of uh, fact finding and uh, digging. And you said to me, "Do you think there's room for something in the falls?" And I said, "Well, what is something?" And you said to me. Something like, you know, restauranty, entertainment-y wise. And I remember saying to you, I remember saying, buddy, the quality of service and food in the falls is left a lot to be desired. If you come and do something here and you do it properly, you'll do well. And um, you said to me, oh, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to speak now, but we might have an opportunity near where that old train is. <laughs> I don't tell yeah, anyone. Yeah. So I just kept calling and the next thing I knew, there was a bloody restaurant built there. So I was like, shit, this guy moves. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I remember so that. My very partner, Martin, yeah. So my partner, Martin Peters, used to come to my coffee shop, Brooks. And we'd, we'd always chat. And we'd, and eventually, like, we'd chat about the falls. And, and we wanted to open up a bar in Victoria Falls. You know, that was us chatting. And... We, we sort of thought, okay, where would the best location be? Um, and, you know, that location, obviously, that we've got is, is prime location. And we, we, we thought, okay, that's it. And we approached, there was a guy there that sort of had an expired lease on it um, who became mm -hmm. our partner. Um, that's another long, long story. Um, but eventually, we, we basically, you know, we worked with NRZ, who our landlord, to get a, a new lease. And eventually, you know, after months of negotiating and, and hard work, eventually that lease came through. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, when we, when we were traveling up and down to start, uh, to start, well, building and planning, we'd need to eat. And we'd go to, I'm not going to name all, all the places that we went to because some of them are still there. But... The service and the food was and the and the price, you know, nothing added up there. You know, there there was no value for money, good sort of food offerings at the time, or at least I thought so. Um, mm. And I think uh, even the ones that are still there, they might be listening in. You know, we definitely raised the bar for them to sort of, you know, say shit. We better up our game, which is a good thing, you know, because they didn't have proper competition before. Um, so, yeah, while we were building, we realized. Uh, that we wanted to turn it into a full-on restaurant, not just a pub. And I mean, initially the plans were to have the the bar on the one side of that carriage and the kitchen on the other side of the carriage. And uh, when I brought Greg Paymans, who eventually became our partner and our our, our GM on the ground um, and head chef slash everything, when just be <laughs> what an amazing chef Greg is. A hundred percent. Oh, no. I know. I have to give that my props. I, I and what a what a great guy in general. I I just I I, I love I love the dude. I love his food. I love his everything. That guy is one of my favorite people on the planet. Just for the record. No, good stuff. No, he's uh, he is amazing. I mean, what he does in the kitchen. You know, he's he's so. You know, a lot of chefs have different specialities. He just does everything brilliantly. You know, whether it's the baking. Whatever he does, he does it amazingly. So yeah, we're blessed to to have him. Um, and when he came up, and I said, "Yeah, Greg, so the bar is going to be this side 
of the carriage and the kitchen's going to be that side. He said, Ilan, you're going to burn the place down day one. You know, you can't put a kitchen in a wooden railway carriage. It doesn't work. <laughs> so we eventually built a kitchen, which uh, we then doubled the size. You know, after year one, we were so busy, we had to uh, uh, build another, you know, extend the kitchen, um, which was a, you know, a, a blessing, I guess. Um, and yeah, that sort of came about in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm -hmm. And we, 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 I mean, I was quite confident that it would, that it would do well. Um, you know, we, but I mean, I, you know, I was new to Vic Falls um, and, you know, I, I, listen, our timing was, you know, people say, oh, well, you make your own luck, but we really hit the time. We were probably a year too late. If we were there a year earlier, they would have been fine. But our mm -hmm. timing was excellent. You know, the falls had just started exploding. And we obviously, you know, being so central, having good service, having good food, you know, we definitely sort of, um, uh, you know, captured, you know, that sort of thing. But I mean, it wasn't easy, you know, um, and it was, I mean, I was new. It was, it was basically. I mean, I'd run coffee shops and been involved in restaurants, but it, I'd never been involved in a restaurant of that scale, open seven days a week, you know, lunch and dinner. And, yeah, a friend of mine once said to me, because the, you know, our biggest thing in the beginning was the food would take so long to come out. Mm. And um, it was also an experiencing from Greg's side because he was used to having, okay, you've got your kitchen and you've got your one guy that plates you got one guy on the grill, you got one fryer, and you got one pizza. And we started that kitchen with four people. You know, that was, it was four people in that kitchen. And I mean, I shit you not, well, on, 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 on three nights in the last year, you know, prior to COVID, would probably, I stand to be corrected by Greg, but probably have 15 people in the kitchen at one time, you know. So, you know, four so people were trying to do, sort of a 10, 15 people job at, in the beginning. And, yes. you know, eventually, you know, we obviously just sort of caught up to it and, uh, and yeah, just uh, been an interesting but amazing ride. And you know what it's like, Victoria Falls is just the most incredible place. I mean, you know, I get so excited to, to host people there. I get so excited to send people there to, because I know, you know, they're just going to have and just, have the most amazing time. Um, I think that this COVID might be a bit of a, a bit of a sort of wake up for the falls in in terms of the pricing, because you know, especially for South Africans. I mean, we were so busy with internationals that it was like, well, we don't need the South Africans, you know. But you know, in reality, you know, you turn your back on on the market and 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 you know, look what happens. So I think there'll be some, you know, because. Why I say this is it became a little bit tough for me to send people there with the prices. You know, it was not cheap. You know, your airfares were expensive, hotels were expensive, everything was a bit expensive. Um, you know, before this, and I'm not I'm not saying it wasn't. You you definitely got a value for money. You know, the I, I'm not saying it was overpriced, and but but it 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 could only really appeal to to people with a fair amount of money. You know, and I, I it cuts off the authority really. It really does. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Listen, in saying that, there were more lodges being built. There were more better budget accommodation. I mean, she ordered a village for one. Fantastic. And, you know, that allowed me to send people that could only afford that sort of price bracket, you know, and there you get amazing value for money. And and as we were going, there was just more and more of that sort of type of accommodation that, that there was better value for, or I'm not saying better value for money. I'd rather say more affordable options, you know. I mean, there's always been affordable options, but, you know, some of them have been, you know, I mean, it's it's backpacker type accommodation. It's not, you know, family accommodation, you know. I just want to check that I feel like we might have been cut off somehow. I'm with you. I got you. Yeah, it looks like we're still good. We um, good? Talking about market marketing, um, one thing that I have to commend you on as well, and I need to find, I want to know exactly whose idea it was, because whoever came up with the idea of writing that I love Vic Falls across the wall there is an absolute fucking <laughs> Because when, when I saw that going up, I remember right. just looking at it and just going like, I can't believe how simple, but how no one's thought of this. This is incredible. It is the marketing opportunity of a lifetime to have that there. every single person that I ever had staying at my Airbnb, every single client that I ever had, every single person that I saw go through that town afterwards wanted a photo under that sign. Yeah, yeah. No, it's so, I mean, it. it I guess it was sort of my idea. Um, ideas generally come from, from other places. Um, a friend of mine uh, runs a, a big festival in South Africa called Rage. I don't know how familiar you are with Rage. Um, Rage um, is basically the South African version of spring break. Um, uh, is it spring break? What is it called? Where after university, well, after school rather, you go and it's a, a two week sort of let's get absolutely hammered. Um, and I came across his picture, uh, a picture of his, and he, I'll just show you uh, where we, can you see that? I see it. Yeah, so so I saw that and I I adapted that to the I Love Vic Fall sign. And, and as you say, the rest is, the rest is history. It's become one of the most photographed things after the falls itself, I think, which, yeah, is, I reckon. which is- It was genius. And you know, for me, marketing and social media marketing is, I mean, I, I, I'm by no means uh, an expert on it, but it's something that I really like and it interests me and I find it interesting. And when I saw that, I was just like, this guy's a genius because uh, it's it's brilliant. It really is. It, there's nothing else you can say about it. It's brilliant. Thanks, man. Yeah, I know. It uh, definitely worked out, it worked out well. You know, in saying that, you know, we've we've often sort of had a problem where, well, in the beginning, we were so worried about the sign being visual that we limited what we did with that whole area downstairs. You know, we were scared to put something up in front of it because then it's ruining the the, <coughs> the, the photo. So we were always sort of mindful of that, you know, umbrellas during the day, for example, by the old seating there, you know, we didn't yeah. put umbrellas because it gets in the way of the signage. So look, as it happens, we're, um, we're working on uh, a little renovation. Uh, you probably the first person I'm telling, 
I don't even think I've told my one partner. I think I better tell him. I hope he's not listening in. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll let him know when we need some money. But uh, we're working on a bit of renovation downstairs on that what we call the turf. Yeah. So yeah, in a few months' time, hopefully, when we're having a beer there, that sort of area will be transformed. Um, hopefully, we're gonna. Well, we'll certainly have to incorporate the sign into it. We can't get rid of that. But uh, yeah, we are working on that area, so that's that's quite exciting. Oh, that'll be amazing. That's very cool. So, putting the restaurant business aside, you've gone into a bit of wholesale as well. I mean, I know you were getting into the liquor distribution side of things back when I was still working for Liquorama, where we were doing distribution and we were even supplying you with um, at Three Monkeys with some things. You had already started with certain wines and certain things. Um, I know at Liquorama, we were also dealing with a bit of uh, drop import stuff as well. And now you're involved with drop imports. Um, so tell me a bit about that transition to the wholesale world. I mean, that's, that's a completely different kettle of fish now. Yeah. I always had a dream of owning a liquor shop. I don't know why. I just, I just love beautiful liquor displays. Maybe, maybe that's, I love seeing like a a nice display. Whenever I go into a restaurant, um, the first thing I like to do is go up to the bar and see the display, you know, um, beautiful liquor displays. I don't know. There's something about it that, that, uh, that draws me to it. And yeah. Um, I had a good sort of, luckily my dad in, in the property, um, we had a good sort of, uh, shop for it and yeah, I approached, uh, a guy that was do it or sort of had sort of just closed his operation and and uh and uh i said to him was he keen to come into something with me i never had any experience in it and he said yeah and it took time you know zim was going through a lot of shit at the time and you know and eventually we just did it and it was it was the best thing i ever did um he's still my partner today ash um we basically partners in in the whole operation and uh yeah, one thing led to another. We opened our first branch um, at the end of 2017, about there. It was about a year after I opened the restaurant. And yeah, it's just that that has become my passion and, and my full focus. Um, you, you know, more than, I mean, I'm still very passionate about the restaurants or whatever, but definitely my time now goes into into my liquor business, which is, which is growing nicely. Um, and yeah, we've got uh, we've got two shops now in Bulawayo, um, mm-hmm. two shops in Arari that are open, and opening cool. up in liquor supplies. Liquor supplies. Okay, so liquor if you're in Bulawayo and Arari, guys, go and get your stuff from liquor supplies. Thank you. Thanks for that punt. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, eat at three months. And if you're in Bulawayo, have coffee at Brooks. <laughs> exactly. We got you covered. Don't worry. Um, yeah, so yeah, wash. Just, can you sort that out yeah. for us? We need our underwear. Wash. Where can we do that? Uh, but I can't help you with that. Uh. <laughs> and I certainly don't plan to try yet, is what you should have said. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, listen, the one thing I have learned is, is <clears throat> in all of this, you know, my brother got a hold of me a couple of days ago and he's like, Ilan, what do you know about secondhand clothing or clothing? You know, because as entrepreneurs are always sort of looking at like an opportunity, 
you know what I mean? And ultimately, if you can get yourself into a position where you grow your business, you know, like when I tell my wife that I'm opening up a new shop, I and I say to her because she gets like crazy. And by the way, she's sitting next to me. Thank God she she lets me do what I, I do. I don't know what I'd do without her because yeah, she she goes through it all. You know, it's not it's not easy at times and a lot of traveling. Now she's getting emotional. She's pregnant, so she gets emotional pretty quickly. Oh, um, I, I, I thought I'd better thank her before I get into shit later. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, where was I? Uh, you know, if you can be entrepreneurial but grow something, you know, mm. when he said clothing, like even if it was a great idea, it, my ears just blocked off to it. And in old days, I would have been like, what's up, Yoren? Tell me, how, how can we make this happen? You know, and the truth is that you just then get distracted. And usually those things don't work out, you know. So, you know, if you can grow something that's that's got scope and, and work on it and, and let that, that grow rather than adding on different businesses that are completely unrelated, you know, I think... Yeah, I think that's, well, for me anyway, my focus, and um, I think that's why I'm starting to do better in business, that I'm more focused on growing something rather than finding other business opportunities. Because there's a million business opportunities. I mean, I've invested in gas projects. I've invested in a gold mine. And they none of them ever work out, you know. <laughs> you know you, it looks amazing on paper. The gold looks brilliant on paper the the gas looks like you cannot fail you know everything looks amazing on paper but the truth is that you know new businesses um will nine times out of ten fail so you know if you've got a business working then you've got to i think capitalize on that and and make it work for you as much as as much as you can and that's what i'm doing with the liquor business um growing it we've got uh got four shops open four shops currently being renovated. So soon there'll be eight shops. I've got uh, agencies now in Zim, um, you know, for a whole lot of different products. The clothing was so cheap, we could have made a fortune. Yaron, my boy, it's not just about the money, hey? <laughs> so there's two things that come to mind for what you, for the scenario, which you just said Sorry. to me. Just quickly to cut you short there, uh, Paul, I see one of my other partners in my liquor distribution, David Small, has said that you need passion for what you do. And that that is one of the biggest things, and and he's 100% uh, right. You know, I'm very passionate about my liquor business, and I'm throwing everything into it. Was I ever passionate about my my porn business, my 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 quick cash business? I, you know, I like making money, but I was never passionate about it. Guys, P-A-W-N, not P-O-R-N. I, I used to love telling people I had a pawn shop. It was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, so, yeah, yeah, so, so David, right, and, and passion is is very important. Um, and if you can find something, I mean, find something that you're passionate about, you'll nine times out of ten succeed, I think. But I think I think also passion is created where um, and, you know, you find something where you generate interest, but you have to create passion in that interest. It's not something that you I'm not I'm not a big subscriber for find your passion. I'm more like find something that interests and create the passion around it. That's 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 more my philosophy on things. But going back on the two things that uh, I wanted to note on what you're saying is 
um, talking about success by focus, is that uh, Tom Bilyeu says one of the keys to success is being able to close 999 doors and open one and walk through that one door fully. And the second part of that success is walk through that door and um, be so good that no one can ignore you. And I think that's the demonstration that your business showed, like with the three monkeys in Vic Falls, was that you guys closed the 99 doors, you walked through the one, and then you were so good that you couldn't be ignored. And that's where the success came from. It wasn't, it wasn't luck. It wasn't timing. It wasn't, in my opinion, I mean, obviously, this is your business. But in my opinion, it wasn't any of those things. It was the fact that you guys went there and you did something better than anybody else at the moment. No, 100%. And yeah, to, to you know, I, I always sort of said that, like, what I did in Zim, you know, obviously, what I learned in South Africa, I applied to Zim. And, and obviously, South Africa, I guess you can be, will be considered more of a first world country than Zim. And if you apply certain things to, to the markets, then people, people respond. Mm. Before we, we approaching the hour, it's, uh, we got about 10 minutes to the hour. It doesn't matter if we go over a little bit, but I don't want to go over too far because otherwise it gets quite long. Um, so I've got a couple of quick fire questions that were sent in that from, from a friend of yours to ask you. Um, and then I'll, I also want to take this opportunity to thank everybody who's watching for supporting today, coming, coming along. Just so you know, this is the 11th episode I've done, Elan, and you have broken the record for the most concurrent viewers on the, on the actual live stream. Okay. So that's that's quite an achievement, and you broke it by quite well, a long time. I was sort of worried no one would tune in. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I guess lockdowns are people really bored, eh? Yeah. So, guys, if you're watching and there's something specific you want to ask or you want to know or any comment you want to make, drop it now so we can address those um, those questions and whilst you're busy thinking of your questions i'm going to fire away at elan on some of the stuff that that i got uh, sent in to ask him already um so these are just fun questions you don't have to think you just chuck them out just it's just for a bit of uh, a bit of fun first one burger or pizza three monkeys tell me about your mohawk oh do you want to you want to make me cry burger or pizza uh burger afterwards uh, pizza, you said. Burger, burger, burger. Okay, so Premier League, Premier League title or Champions League title? Both. What do you mean? <laughs> okay, river or beach? River. Jeez. Yeah. No. The Zambezi River. I'll take that over any beach in the world. Good man, you're a man after my own heart. I can't stand the beach. I'm a river, mountains, forest guy. I hate the urban beach. Can't think of anything worse than going to the beach and sitting on the sand in the sun. It's just stupid. <laughs> Where water's so cold you can't even swim. That's Cape Town for you. Okay, and the last question: Curious or Degaya? Degaya. What was the first part? Is it Curious or Degaya? David Degaya. Jeez, I mean, Curious <laughs> was a disaster, <laughs> but he was still—he still—he still is a livable player. So we'll go with Curious, eh? <laughs> Can you guess who sent those questions in? Uh, could have been Graham Simmons putting in some. Graham Simmons, well done. Hey, hey, hey. Jeez, I'm good. Yes. Uh, so, so the Mohawk, she's gone. I now have yeah. lots of hair. <laughs> oh man. Um, so I actually thought 
I thought you were bald and could just literally grow the hair there. That's what I. That's... So you thought I had the opposite of everybody else that grows it around the sides Ooh. and goes on top. Yes. Seriously. You no. you looked you looked at me like this guy's haircut is so stupid it can't be intentional it must be a cover up. <laughs> I was like, when is he going to grow up? <laughs> But well done, man. Good to see. Good to see a good mop of hair. I'm sure. I'm sure your wife's happy. Um, Thirty-five years later, I was in front of the mirror now. Thirty-five years later, I grew a decent haircut. Very good, man. There's uh, Graham Simmons. <laughs> Listen, uh, De Gea took a leaf out of Carius's book this year. He's had a few disasters himself. But yeah, he is. He's definitely a better goalie than Carius, that's for sure. What is it with all the Carmel boys being Liverpool supporters? Because I, I look, I don't know. I don't know anything about football. I like literally when Graham sent me in those pictures. I said those questions. I said I'm going to ask him, and I don't know anything of what I'm talking about. So the only thing I know is that Carmel boys support Liverpool because the Leondios boys are all Liverpool boys. You're a Liverpool boy. And from what I can remember, it was always Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool when we were at Carmel, even though Liverpool never wins anything. So myself and Tony Leondos were in Liverpool just before lockdown. We were there in March. That was... When Graham was in Manchester. Graham was in Manchester getting COVID. I was in Liverpool avoiding... You see, Manchester is not... You go to Manchester, you get COVID. <laughs> you're okay. And um, yeah, it was funny. We were there at the same time. But... Uh, um, and Graham, I'm glad that you've recovered and you're okay. It's it's okay, buddy. You you're good. Um, so just so Bruce Robler played for Liverpool. Bruce Robler played mainly in the 80s, uh, early 90s, I think. And uh, he was the Zimbabwe goalkeeper at the time growing up. And he he starred for Liverpool for many years. He won a lot with Liverpool. And I think that listen, we Liverpool also, I guess you know, one of the most successful teams along with Manchester United, they sort of came in, you know, to success after the Liverpool area of the 70s and 80s. And I guess just watching, you always go for the best teams, you know, when you start out as a youngster. I mean, I take my hat off to any um, Blackburn supporters before they won the league in 95 or whenever that was. You know, you just didn't support teams that didn't win, you know, generally, you know, you 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 went to your top teams. But, I mean, there's definitely a connection between a lot of Zimbabweans and Liverpool with, with Bruce Robler. And that's basically how, you know, we started supporting Liverpool. We used to go watch all the, the games in, in Zim, National Sports Stadium and Barber Fields when, when Zim were playing, watch Bruce Robler play. Um, Robert Doyle, Liverpool have won the EPL this year for the first time in 30 years. So thank you for your question. And we are the champions. TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess that, I, I mean, I don't know why anybody would support Man United from Zimbabwe. I don't know where the connection is. You know, we had a connection. Bruce Grobler was Zimbabwean and uh, you know, we had a strong connection. So, Graham, unless you can tell us about your uncle that played for Man United, what's up, bro? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, I think, um, no, there, there don't seem to be any questions rolling in. I think we've covered a lot. 
and uh, it was an absolute pleasure. So I'm going to let you go and get back to your life. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to to have a chat with me. And uh, it's been fun. I really enjoyed this one. Um, and wishing you all the no, best been... and all the success and, uh, that you deserve. Thanks, bro. No, it was great to catch up. Good to see you doing well. Hope uh, the fam are all well. Say how's it to the wife yeah. for me, please. And uh, yeah, like I said, Hopefully, in a few months' time, we'll be having a beer on the banks of the Zambezi, having a pizza or burger at the Three Monkeys. And, uh, yeah, we can, as I said, you know, I just yeah, can't wait to get back there, can't wait to, to host friends there, can't wait to take my wife back there, take uh, my boy there. You know, um, I don't know if this was supposed to be about Zim, but, uh, you know, it's definitely a big part of of our of i guess our relationship is is based in zim so yeah hopefully see you there soon great wonderful and uh take care thank you everybody for watching and thank you for uh, your comments and your uh, questions and uh, interacting and uh we're here every wednesday same time 7 p.m cat and 6 p.m bst so if you want to join us for another one come again next week and and it'll all be happening exactly the same. So, Ilan, thank you very much, and we'll catch you later, bro. Yeah, I see here that, uh, I mean, Ryan Solomon wrote, he's never seen me talk so much. I don't think my wife's ever heard me talk this much. You know, I'm usually pretty <laughs> quiet. Maybe we should do this more often to learn more about me. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll the months and see where things have developed. Thanks, bud. Be well, eh? You too. Cheers, bro. Thank you. Ciao.